Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, everybody. How is everyone this morning? Amen. Okay, let's try that one more time. <laughs> How is everyone this morning? Good morning. That sounds more like it. So I am glad to be here this morning. I am especially excited to hear that we have a baptism today. How do you feel about that? God is still working. Amen. He is still working and he still reigns. So before we begin our praise and worship this morning, would you all please stand? And we're going to open up with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Father, Lord God, we're here this morning, Lord, thankful for who you are. Thankful for the opportunity to give you praise, honor, and glory. Thankful that you still reign on the throne. Thankful that you still love us, Lord. Thankful that you love us unconditionally, Lord. So we're here right now just wanting to receive your word, Lord, and help it to apply to our lives. We are here, Lord, to learn more about you so that we may be examples to those who don't know you, so that we may be examples to those who do know you. We're here, Lord, to receive your word so that we may become better, so that we may live pleasing in your sight, Lord God. So once again, we're grateful to be here. We're grateful for breath in our bodies, Lord, so that we can give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, for you are our Lord and Savior. And we thank you, Lord, and we praise you, and we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Right. So our God is greater. Who agrees with me today? Our God is greater than anything we can imagine. So feel free to join in with us, okay? Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's none like you. None like you. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. 
Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you None like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger God you are higher than any Our God is greater our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God, our God. How many of you know that he's greater, that he's stronger, that he has set an example in your life and blessed you mightily? Let's give him praise. Continue to give him praise. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? What can stand against us? Then what can stand against? Let's sing to our God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. And if our God, and if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? Nothing can stand against me. Then what can stand against? Profess that. Profess that. We have the Lord on our side. Our God is greater. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Yes, give him yes. praise. Our God is awesome. Put your hands together because he's, he's worthy. Give God praise. He is Thank worthy. Jesus. Amen. Our God Amen. is greater. He's greater. Amen. Amen.
to see everyone here this morning. And of course, we are excited that we again get to be in person, that we get to be together as we worship the Lord. And so we don't want to take that for granted. We thank God for the opportunity to continue to see each other's faces as we worship him. Um, but then those of us who are um, who have chosen not or who are unable to actually come out and join us in person, glad that you can join us by live stream. We want to continually offer as many opportunities as we can for you to be able to hear and experience God's word and also to worship with us. And so thank you all for being here. We um, especially are looking forward this morning to being able to do what we normally do um, as a fellowship. We know there are ordinances in the church and that um, one of those ordinances is our communion, which we still partake of here once a month. But the other one that we've not been able to do in a while and that I'm glad that we are able to do this morning um, is baptism and that we are looking forward to We are looking forward to um, a young person confirming his faith, letting the world know the decision that he has made for Christ and that his family and that his friends and that his loved ones can stand with him. And so this morning we are about to <clears throat> transition into that. I wanted to make sure that we had enough time so there was nothing that was going to interrupt that. I'm going to ask for the certificate that I have there that I left. Because I want to make sure that I get names right and correct. Don't want to mess that up. And what I'm going to do, initially I had said to the family that I thought that we could be able to put that up on our camera. We were having some hardware issues and we're not. So I am going to let the family actually come up for those that desire to. Um, that up oh, Are we? Oh, so now we are. Oh, good. That's incorrect. I was told that they wouldn't, but they worked it out. And so this morning, we are going to <clears throat> witness um, and encourage our young brother, Jordan James Bogan, um, as he makes his public confession of his faith in baptism. I'm going to ask for his, for his family, immediate family, and any of you that do want to be able to join, I do ask that you not block just that center part because we're going to be able to at least to try and get them up on the screen so we can see. So, fam, I'm going to step to the side um, and I'm going to have you to come on up as I share why we do baptism. Please come on up. And if you do want to remain seated, you will be able to see. As we know, the reason we baptize is because it is what the Lord has commanded. It is what the Lord has stated. <clears throat> Jesus himself seen it as necessary when he came that he would be baptized he said that this must happen when John the baptizer had decided that he was, I mean, that he could not, he was not worthy to baptize him. What he was doing is setting an example 
for us. Baptism, we know <clears throat> in the scriptures, the whole concept was not a new concept because we know that what actually was happening is that it was the word was actually used of those. The word was actually used of those who were having a garment dyed to change its color. And so you would actually dip into the into the dye and the dye would become a part of the fabric. And when you came out, it was a witness that there was a change. That's that word baptizo that actually happened. And so it became known in the church that the baptism was the sign that you have identified with Christ publicly. And back then, as, as the hostility for baptism arose, it was not something that was honored by all. But it was a public declaration that you were dying to your sins and being raised in newness of life. Baptism itself doesn't change anyone. If you are not a believer before you are baptized, you will not be one after you are baptized. It is a sign of what has already happened and the change that, her, that has already taken place. And this morning, this morning, we will hear or I'm sorry, we will witness this statement that's being made. Here's what I want us to do. Please encourage this young brother. Please continue to pray for him and his family. In this day and age, please continue to lift them up that he will walk in the ways of the Lord according to the scriptures and that he will grow up to be a strong young man in the Lord that represents him well. And so let me pray, and then with that, I'm going to turn it over to our deacon, Joseph Haskins, who is going to take us from there in our baptism. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, that we are here being able to carry out one of your commands. Lord, that you tell us that baptism is a part of our public witness after we have become Christians. He who believes and is baptized... Lord, shall be saved. Father, the baptism doesn't save, but the baptism, oh God, confirms the salvation that has occurred. And Father, I pray right now that you would just work on the heart of our brother Jordan. God, that you would continue to strengthen him for this walk ahead. And God, you would cause him to be someone, oh Lord, who represents you well in this world. I pray that his family, I pray that his mother, his father, Lord, that, that the aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins, that everyone, oh God, would be in on the encouragement. Father, that they would continually spur him on to love and good works. And so this morning, Father, we honor you by obeying you. And we pray for your strength. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. surprised that this young man knows what he's doing right now. He was able to confirm that. He knows what he wants in life. And I tell you, I just wanted to keep talking to him. So it was my pleasure to be back there with Jordan. So it's my honor right now to baptize Jordan. James Bogan. He said that his nickname is JJB. So it's my honor to baptize Jordan James Bogan. JJB. 
in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Family, be proud and be encouraging. Mom and dad, it is an encouragement and a blessing to see your children choose to follow Christ. And it is, it is an indicator as to what is going on in the home that he can continually be encouraged in his faith. After he comes out and, and um, um, after he is dressed, we're going to hand him his certificate. Uh, but we are, um, we are greatly encouraged um, by being able to do that. And I would encourage any others that are seeking um, in our congregation, if you have not been baptized and you are seeking to do that, that indeed you, um, you know that we are able to and that we are willing to actually do that. Amen? I didn't know if we had another song or not. We did? Okay. And so I'm going to have them to come back on up, and then um, we are going to continue with our worship. Come on, praise team. earlier that our God is greater and he's higher but he's exalted he is exalted and we are to lift him up even higher and higher so I would ask that you close your eyes and envision our Lord on the throne reigning all over the earth The King is exalted, and I will praise Him. He is exalted, the King is exalted, and I will praise His name. He is Lord for. on high. 
King is exalted and I will praise him. He is exalted, the King is exalted and I will praise his name. I'm just going to let them know in the back, you can come right on out whether I'm speaking or not. I didn't want them to think they had to stay back there until I finish. Y'all can come on out. And um, at the end of our service, we will present um, our certificate to our, um, to our young brother, Jordan. This morning, before I get into God's word, we're going to have a time of prayer. Um, and we've gone through... <clears throat> As you know, I mean, as we continue to go through this pandemic season, we continue to pray for ourselves um, and, um, and our nation and our world as everyone is continuing to suffer the effects of what has happened. But also, our nation has elected another president, and we will pray for um, this transition that is to happen. We are going to pray for President-elect Joseph Biden, and we are going to pray for all that is going to happen in these days to come, because God calls us to do that. We are going to pray that the transition that happens is one that happens in a way that doesn't, um, that wasn't, that, that does not threaten or damage our democracy, but 
as far as believers are concerned, we are to represent God regardless of what's happening around us. We are to stand as people who shine as a beacon and that we let the world know that God is still in charge and that whomever he has allowed to be put in the office is, is, is the person that we will, by his word, by his strength, by his Holy Spirit, will be able to support. But not only that, we'll be able to live for God regardless. We were able to live under every other president before, and we are going to live under this current president as well, because that's what God ordains. And we are going to continue to rejoice because the Lord is our God. And so we are excited. I am. Not because of, I'm, I'm, I'm not excited because someone's candidate won and someone's candidate lost. I'm excited because as a believer, I can remain a believer regardless and even, I mean, regardless of who was in office. And I know, I know, I know this is a tough and a, and a, and a tight subject for some. For some of us, we are excited and we are, we are joyful and we are rejoicing. And for some of us, we are not. The candidate that we wanted did not win. And you know what? It doesn't matter for your walk in Christ. What matters is that you represent the Lord and that you continue to stand for what the Lord stands for and that you continue to walk in his ways. I thought about this yesterday, <clears throat> how I was going to mention this. And the issue is our nation is divided, but the family of God better not be. And I'll say that again. This nation may be divided, but the family of God must not be. We must stand in and under the Lord according to his dictates, living out what he says on a daily basis. And so we can rejoice. We can rejoice today. We can rejoice in many things and we can pray for many things. But one thing that we know that the scripture calls us to do is to pray for our leaders. And we will continue to do that. Amen. So if I'm ask you to stand, please, for our time of prayer. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you are our God. Father, we thank you that today we were able in the middle of this pandemic to baptize one of your own. Thank you, Lord, that we were able, oh God, to witness this public declaration, Lord, of faith and of trust in God. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Lord, in, <clears throat> in this time where there has been so much pain, and so much grief and so much sorrow, Father, that we can rejoice in your salvation and that we can rejoice in what you have done and are doing in the lives of your people and specifically in the life of Jordan Bogan. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have allowed his heart to be changed and that his family has, <clears throat> 
has lived a life that he could see Christ in them and thus want Christ for himself. Thank you, Father, for the love that he has been able to experience, Father, by his family and in his church. And that, Lord, even in the midst of all this, he could say, I want to be baptized. So, Father, we commit him to you. And, Lord, all of his ways. Father, this morning we bring before you this nation again, thanking you, Lord, that you continue to reign strong and reign supreme. And, Father, you have allowed by your sovereign grace and mercy, Lord, and by your strength, you have allowed this nation to continue. Father, flaws and all, success and all, ups and downs and all. You have caused us, O oh Lord, to still be here, to still be around. And there are believers, O oh God, that are allowed to worship you in this nation. Father, we know it is not like this all over the world. We know that there are some of our brothers and sisters, and we saw it last week, who are suffering under the hand of physical persecution. And we know that for them to gather in some places is illegal. Lord, for them to come to worship you publicly, Father, is life-threatening, and yet they still do. And Father, that's a testimony to the reality of faith in Christ. But, Father, we are grateful that that is not the case here this morning. And that even though, oh, Lord, there are grievous things that happen in this nation, Father, your hand of blessing has still been on and over it. And so, Father, we come to you today, Lord, as this nation has and is in the process of changing its leadership. And Father, we thank you that your hand has been in and over and around this whole election. And Father, we pray right now for President-elect Biden, Lord, that indeed your will would be accomplished in and through his leadership that will be coming up. Father, that you will work out what you desire, God, in these coming days and in the coming years. Father, but most of all, I pray that your children would stand and represent you well. Father, I pray that, that we would be unlike this nation divided. Father, that we would be like Christ and stand out from among the crowd. Lord, you have saved us and our salvation can handle anything that happens to us on this earth. Lord, if our salvation can handle physical persecution in, play, in, in, in other places in this world. It can handle a divided country. And so, Father, I pray this morning that we would stand as believers united in faith and allowing Christ to be seen in and through us. Father, I pray that indeed you would cause us to be seen and known as people of love, of truth, of justice, of grace, of mercy, of generosity. Realizing, oh God, that diversity, as we saw last week, Father, is what will be witnessed around your throne, Lord, as all this comes to a culmination. 
You said in Revelation that every tongue, tribe, people, nation will be gathered around the throne. Father, you said the diversity that you created when you made mankind at the end of time will be represented at your throne. And Father, we want it to continue today. Let us stand, God, in what you have caused us to stand for. And let Christ be seen and let Christ be known. Father, I pray that we would have the wisdom, O God, to walk wisely and well in your ways. I pray that we would have the strength and the courage, Lord, to make the stands that are needed, even if we need to stand alone. But Father, I pray also, God, that we would be people that are reconcilers. Father, as the scripture says, reconciling people back to God. But Lord, we must first reconcile to one another as well before we can reach out into the world, Lord. And I pray that we would do that. So Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we are in and under you. And pray, God, that in these coming days, Lord, we would glorify you with our lives and with the way in which we live and support in this nation. Father, may we stand up for those that don't have a voice. Father, you've said, God, in your word, what does the Lord require? It says is to live holy, walk justly. Father, I thank you. I thank you. Father, that we can love mercy. Father, that we can do justice, that we can walk humbly. I pray that we would stand for what you stand for. I pray that we would love the way you loved us. I pray, the way, I pray that we would live the way you've called us to live. Now, as we get into your word, I pray indeed that we will hear your word so that we can live your word. We ask you this in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Is it really? Oh, I just learned a new fact. So mom, I know you're really excited. They didn't tell me that. I just learned that secret. What a birthday present. Oh, my goodness. First of all, happy birthday. And what a wonderful present to have your son proclaim his faith by baptism. Well, happy birthday. And again, hopefully this day continues to be joyous for you as you celebrate with family. Y'all make it a good one. I know it's tough in this pandemic. Make it a good one. Praise God. I'm not going to call you out by asking because you, you would give me the evil eye anyway. Don't worry about that. If you would turn with me to the book of Romans, we had just finished our series on the gospel, um, gospel-shaped mercy, <clears throat> part of our curriculum in the gospel-shaped church. And we know that this church, all of, I mean, the church of God was brought about through 
um, through the gospel, and if indeed we were brought into being by the gospel, that we should be maintained and sustained by that same gospel. And so we finished it, and last week we looked <clears throat> at that last part, uh, diversity, having looked at the other six things that are focused in on gospel-shaped mercy, that we are to be the most merciful, the most merciful, the most just, the most caring people on the planet. Why? Because that's what God has done for us. See, the reason that all these things that we talk about should be represented through us is because that's who God has been to us. He's been a God of justice in that he has dealt with sin. He has been a God of mercy in that he has given us favor where we haven't deserved it. He has been a God of love and compassion when we were not loving and people that did not deserve compassion. He was peace when we were people of war. And he demonstrated to us that he is the God of diversity because as we look around on this earth, we see him represented in all his diversity. We see it in the colors in the trees. We see it in the different kinds of animals. We see it in the creativity of humanity. I'm sitting in, in, in here today and we all aren't wearing the same color. We all aren't wearing the same style. We all aren't wearing the same haircuts. Some of us have lost all the hair. But in this, what it, what, it, what it demonstrates to me and to us is that that creativity that God has, he has passed on to us. And that diversity that God has, he has passed on to us. And so today we see around us the intention of God. But the other thing, that I want us to know, too, is that as believers, as Christ followers, we are to be distinguished in this world as disciples. When we went through Romans, I taught through this several years ago, but I wanted to share this today as my mind was on what would I share in light of our situation. And turn with me to Romans 12. We're going to be looking at in I'm not going to spend time on all of it. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 21, but more specifically 17 through 21 we'll spend some time on. But 9 through 21, and I'm going to read it through just quickly because I want us to hear it all at one time. And this morning for a text, I want to talk about distinguished as a disciple. Distinguished as a disciple. We are indeed Christ followers if we have named Christ. And what does that mean? How do we look in this current environment? I put down in this current <clears throat> Roman-esque environment, Rome was this empire, was this great empire, this great force in their world at that time. And who they were at times made it very difficult for believers to live out their faith. As a matter of fact, some of the most fierce persecution began to come under this empire on believers. And 
what we see as Paul spoke to the Roman church and as he encouraged them, we see how they are to respond. And if the church in Rome under Nero and all those other emperors who were opposed to those living in Christ, if they could stand and live for him in this environment, we who are not experiencing anything as close to what they were yet can live and walk for Christ strongly as well. And so I want to talk today to us about distinguishing ourselves as disciples and being seen as those who follow Christ. Let's read. <clears throat> I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. <clears throat> beyond, I mean, sorry, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. You know, as people that are set free from sin in Christ, the beginning of this chapter tells us that we are to live as if we are always on the altar. And that, 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 that picture would have been well understood by Christians in that environment, understanding the history um, of the faith coming through Judaism and the sacrificial system and them understanding that, that, that they had to have sacrifices that were brought and killed on the altar and those sacrifices would be for their sin. And ultimately, the greatest and last sacrifice would willingly go to the altar, Christ himself, and pay for the sins of the entire world, justice and, and, and mercy meet in Christ. God was able to have sins paid for and have, and, and have, um, humanity saved at the same time in the act of Christ. And so what we see here is that that ultimate sacrifice was made. And as a result of that, and as Paul walked them through the foundation of the faith in the earlier chapters in Romans, he comes to chapter 12, and says, I beseech you, he says, look, I implore you, saints, by the mercies of God, by God's favor on you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, that you are constantly being people who, who, who are being witnesses to the fact that I am living sacrificially every day, 
putting my will and my own desire on the altar before God as I'm dying daily. That's how he starts this chapter off. He says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And because of that, you live sacrificially. You don't live by your own standards. You don't live by your own desires. You live by God. And just in case you thought this was going to be easy, he says it is to be a sacrifice. I'm not talking about a sacrifice where you give up your cup of coffee for the week. He is talking about a sacrifice where you give up your will and your desire and your life as you put it under the framework of who Christ is. You know, this week I've been having some, actually for the last month, I've been having some issues where my stomach has not wanted to receive anything. And one of the things I've had to back off on, I didn't think I've had to back off of, and it was hard at first, still is hard, you know, because we just bought this big brand new coffee machine in our house. And I had to back off a of coffee, at least for now. Hard. But that's not the sacrifice that Christ is talking about. That's not the living sacrifice. For some of us, because we wanted to change some of our habits or to lose some weight, we've, we've, we've changed some eating habits. That's not the sacrifice that he's talking about when he talks about being a living sacrifice. What he's talking about is those tendencies and those ways and those things that, boy, that they're easy for me to do. But I know God doesn't want me to do them. They are easy for me to live in and under. But God is calling me to something different. And there's sometimes that we stand and we say, but God, this is so hard. And God says, I know but that's a part of living sacrificially. Why do you do it? Not because you want brownie points before the Lord, but because you love him. And because he loved you first and placed that love in you, and now you live out of this sense of love and gratitude for the Lord. And so it is this living sacrifice. And he says to you, that is the way that I want you to live. It is holy and it's acceptable. And it is just reasonable that you live that way in light of what he has done for you. And so because of that, because of that, there is a way that you are to live. And I'm going to focus on two groups this morning. From verse 9 to verse 16, we're going to look at how we are to distinguish ourselves now that we have been changed, now that we have been placed on the altar, now that we are living sacrificially before the Lord daily, we are to distinguish ourselves as a disciple, number one, in, in, in our love for the family of God, in our love for the family of God. And then secondly, we will look at our relationship with our enemies. Have to understand when God changed us, when he placed his spirit in us, he gave us the ability to love like him, although imperfectly, when it comes to the family of God. But then it also, but then he has also made it possible for us to live in a Christ-like way with those that oppose us as believers, our enemies. And so let me start off the first one. <clears throat> Paul here 
just rattles off kind of in fast pace these commands, and, and, and they are meant to be reflected upon regularly. Remember, we are living sacrificially. We are living sacrifices that are holy and acceptable unto the Lord, and he gives us this barrage. He, he tells the Romans, here is how you live out your daily dying sacrificial life before the Lord. Number one, it shows in the way you love one another in the family of God. And boy, is that needed today. The first thing he says is, let love be genuine. And what he actually means is, let it be without hypocrisy. You're not loving because you want to get something. This is not an agenda-based love. If I love this person, they're going to give me something back in return. This is not a giving back. Is that you love, and, and, and we know many times love hurts. Sometimes when you love people deeply, it may cause you sometimes to hurt deeply because of what it may take to love them. And that love, when it means that we think of, oh, just this feeling of just, I just want to be close. No, we understand and we know as we read through the scriptures that love is an action. Love actually, every time it is used, um, when it is a command, is a verb. It is, me- it is an act of the will. You choose to love. I know for many of us, we have heard and, and it has been thrown out at us that, you know what, <clears throat> love is that feeling that you get, you know, when you feel what you feel. I, love is a decision. And that may bring about a feeling at time. But we all know, parents, Loved ones, we all know sometimes when we love, it's hard. It is a choice that we make regardless of how we feel. And that's what God is saying today to them. He tells the Romans, let your love be genuine. And then he gives us examples of what he means. Abhor, he says, love hates something. And I love the play on words, he says, because what he is saying is that let your love be genuine. And then the next thing he explains under it is he says, hate what is evil. That wasn't by accident. Paul was playing on words there. He says, love hates something. True love hates evil. He wants you to abhor it. It is to be detestable to you. It is to be something that you can't be around. Not that you can't live around it. It is not to be in you. But then he says, not only do they hate hate evil, they hold fast or that they cling to like glue. They stick to what is good. And so he gives you this picture of what love is. He said, let love be genuine. Don't be a hypocrite with your love as you love in the family of God. He said, let let it look. Hate evil, love good. And, 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 and here's the thing. Who makes the standard for good or evil? See, because sometimes good or evil changes with the society. Sometimes that which society says is good isn't. And sometimes that which what society says is evil isn't. Where's the standard? It lies with God in his word, by his principles. And then the next thing he says is, look, he says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. 
And the next thing he says with this is, is, is that our love is to, is to be one as, as if we are blood family members. Understand the word that Paul is using. He says, when you relate to one another as believers in Christ, it is to be as if that affection that you have for a blood family relative. I see the day and the family that came to support my brother Jordan and the love that they have and the concern and the care that brought you all out still in a pandemic to sit inside and to support him making his public declaration of faith. That's family. That's family. But what God says is that's how it's to be in the family of God. That same affection, that same love. And I know for some of us, we're like, well, Lord, you know, there are certain people that just make that really difficult in your family. You got some folk that are hard to love, Lord. And I could just hear the Lord saying, so what do you think I had to do with you? See, but the Lord still chose to love. See, God demonstrates his love toward us. See, love was demonstrated. How did he do that? The scripture said in that while we were still sinners, Christ died. He didn't say while we were still sinners, Christ considered what he would do. And then as we got better, he died. It said that while we were still sinners. Now think of when you did not walk with the Lord. You did not want the Lord. You did not think about the Lord. He was not on your mind. Just think about that. Think about the time, as my mom would say, when you showed the Lord your backside. She didn't say it that way, though. When you didn't want to have anything to do with the Lord. When all he was to some of us was a cuss word. Christ died. And so you see that kind of love. So he says to you and I, I've equipped you as believers in the family of God. To have that affection as if you were blood relatives. Now, I know for some of us, there's some blood relatives that get on our last nerve. I know that. But God says the picture is of those blood relatives of a parent to a child is what the word really comes to grips on. The love that a parent has for a child is the love that you are to have for one another in the family of God. And for some of us, we go, God, that's impossible. And God says, in and of yourself, of course it is. But in Christ, it is not. As you yield yourself, remember, living sacrifice. As you yield yourself sacrificially, you will be able to do it. And guess what? You won't always desire to do it. But because you know it's what your father wants, you know it's because of what God wants. It's because of what Christ who has saved you wants. You do it. And you're able to. So our love is to be genuine and it is to be shown in the way that we deal with one another. The, the next one under our love for the family of God is our zeal is to not be slothful. In other words, we ought to remain fervent when he says there, he says, look, be fervent. Verse 11, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. What that literally means is he says you ought to be set ablaze. You ought to be on fire. He says, stay lit. That's what he's saying. 
Keep burning. Let the fervency for the Lord be there as you are living in the family of God. And in our day and time, sometimes we get so overwhelmed with what is happening into and around us that sometimes our fire goes dim. Sometimes we go, Lord, I don't know. This is getting tiring. I am getting so tired in this, of this. What do I do? God says, stay ablaze. Stay. How do I stay ablaze? How do I stay lit? It is by the fuel of the Holy Spirit in your life. And as you are hearing his word and as you are living his word and as you are carrying out what you know he wants, you stay ablaze. So God is telling you to stay lit. And he says, serving the Lord. I'll have to make a mark on that because you know what? Sometimes we forget that we're serving the Lord. And if you ever get to a point that all you do is serve people, I'm going to tell you, it's going to get old quick. It's going to get tiring quick. When you get to the point, I'm tired of serving these folk. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of serving these ungrateful people. I'm tired of serving this group. I'm tired of serving. When you no longer are serving the Lord, you are going to grow weary quickly. And so whatever you do, scripture tells us, do it as unto the Lord. Why? Because that's the only motivator that's going to keep you going. On those days when you get tired of humanity, when you get tired of people, you get tired of systems, you get tired of injustice, you get tired of sin, you get tired of all that's going on. Remind yourself, I'm not doing this just for y'all. I'm doing this because the Lord called me to do it. And if I die doing it, I'm dying doing it for the Lord. That is what keeps a believer ablaze. And then the next one is our disposition is to be strong. And I love this. This is a disposition that we need to keep and that we need to be concerned with one another. Rejoice in hope or have this sense of, and when it says hope, that's not a wish. This is not make a wish foundation. He says when he talks about rejoice and hope, that is that expectancy of certainty. And the hope is that Christ is going to return and one day I will be with him. That is the hope that you always place before you and that keeps you rejoicing, that keeps you motivated, that keeps you ablaze. He said rejoicing in hope. But he knows that while you do that, hmm, there are times that you have to be patient in tribulation. I do expect for what Christ has said will happen. I mean, that he said will happen, will happen. But in the meantime, I need to be patient. What do I mean? Sometimes I'm like, God, will you hurry up? I don't like what you're doing. I don't like how long it's taken. I don't like where you're going. And God says, boy, you, you, you. You're so impatient. You know I'm going to come through for you. You just don't like waiting. If you're like me, you don't like waiting. I don't like waiting in line at the grocery store. I'm sitting at the self-checkout, and if there are two or three people in front of me, I, I, I got an attitude. And I control the speed of my checkout. 
See, impatience will cause us to make decisions we have no business making. Because we know, God, if I wait on you, I know you're going to come through with the answer. But God, I don't want to wait on you. Now, we don't say that, but we live that. We act that. I don't want to wait on you, God. I'm too impatient. You taking too long. You're not doing this on my time frame. And God says, be patient as you go through tribulation. But then he tells you also one of the things that's hard to do as we live in this world is to be constant in prayer. He says to be constant in prayer. One of the things that happens every Thursday, even now by Zoom, our elder Jerry Lander leads us in prayer. And I know at times we've had conversations that, that it gets tough when only two people, three people show up on the prayer. I know it's hard. But one of the things that we see and that we realize is that consistency in prayer sometimes seems like being patient in tribulation because it's hard. Oh, y'all ain't got to say it. That's okay. I know. It's hard. But God says that here is what happens as you live in this Roman-style society that pushes against your faith, that you live out your life sacrificially, and that you love the family of God. And let me tell you, in order for you to stay in love with the family of God and to stay in love with God, you better be somebody who is constantly praying. Because for y'all to deal with me, you better be in prayer constantly. And for me to deal with you, I better be in prayer constantly. See, the issue is God knows for us when he has our focus on him and we constantly beseech him and inquire of him. He can direct us. And so the issue becomes that. And then. In our disposition, we are to rejoice, we are to be patient, we are to constantly be prayerful, and we are to be continuously generous. We said you know, several weeks ago that generosity is not a resource issue, it is a heart issue. I will say that over and over again. You don't give because you have money to give. You give because your heart is there. You give because you've been changed. The reason why people don't give is because their heart is, how do I know? I'm going to use the example that he used in scripture. When Paul was encouraging the Corinthians who had an issue giving, they were, they were, they were one of the most wealthiest churches in the region in that time, and they had a hard time giving. And what Paul did in Corinthians is use the example of the Macedonians. I've used it now several times with you. He said, let me give you a picture of this group. He said that out of their, out of their extreme affliction and poverty, they were being persecuted heavily and harshly, which caused, um, which caused definite poverty. And because of that, they were in a tough position. And Paul says they gave beyond their means and they begged them. They begged Paul to let them give to the to the help of the saints. They were begging to give and didn't have a whole lot to give. Why? Because their hearts had been changed by the Lord and they wanted to take part in what the Lord was doing. You and I don't give because we got extra change in our pocket. Because even if we give her that extra change, well, there's a little bit of begrudgingly in, in that. We, 
we really don't want, but I can spare this. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your energy. I'm talking about your intellect. Instead, when I know that God has changed me and I am, Father, I am loving what you've done and I want to be a part, I, I give, period. And so how else I love for the family of God, our responses are to be godly, that we are to bless our persecutors, that we are to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, and we are to weep with those who weep. I am, I, I grow weary many times of this brand of Christianity that says, if I'm good, all is good. I'm good. I don't know what your problem is, but I'm good. That's not Christ-like. I'm good. You'll get there one day. See, this whole concept of rejoicing with those who rejoice I'm happy with my brothers and sisters when it's time to rejoice. And when it's time to mourn, I get beside them and weep. Your responses are godly. You know how to empathize. You know how to sit beside someone and cry with them for a while and not tell them, well, you shouldn't have been in that position. If you hadn't done this, you wouldn't have been there. For some of us, God wants to get out and just cry with someone one time. Feel what they are feeling, hurt where they are hurting, so that when they come up and out, you can rejoice with them. Because that's what you do as family. Do you walk away from your brothers and sisters in your biological families when they're going through? No, nah, you come to the age, you come close. God says it's the way it is supposed to be in the family of God. And I'm going to jump because of the sake of time. I'm going to jump to our last one, our relationship with our enemies. Verse 17. I have to remember, I have to just mention once, though. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own, in your own sight. There is this sense of humility for the godly person. The sense of you are not always the last voice. You are not the one that has to be seen. You are not the one that has to be heard all the time. He says, do not be haughty. Don't be prideful. Learn to associate with those who are low and who are marginalized. Learn to associate with those who can't bring you any benefit. Because that's what Christ did. Guess what? You and I, Christ didn't come to you and I because you were beneficial to him. Man, if, 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 hey, if I just, if I just deal with Curtis, man, he's going to really help my kingdom. Not. We brought no benefit to Jesus when he came to us. When he died for us, it was no benefit to him. It was all us. And so he says to you and I, just like I did with you, I want you to do with others. Don't be prideful all the time. He says, learn. I love this. Learn. Learn to associate. Guess what? When someone tells you to, 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 to associate and, and, and the thought there is that it is a choice that you make, associate with the lowly, he says it has to be a choice sometimes. And for some people, it won't come natural. 
For some of us, we are so well connected, we don't know what it's like to hang with those who are low. And then lastly, our relationship with our enemies. Let me go through this quickly because he tells us how to do this. One of the tendencies of those that are opposing us, of people that we see as enemies, the one thing that we first want to do is we want to pay them back. I got you. All right, you go on and do that. I got you. You just wait. There will be a weak moment. There will be a time when you let your guard down. And when you do, I'm there, baby. God is saying, that's not me. Because guess what? He didn't do that to you and I. See, Jesus, when he was on the cross, he didn't say, y'all just wait. Boy, three days is coming. He didn't look around and says, I remember every last one of y'all. The one who slapped me, the one who shoved the throat, the, 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 crown of thorns on my head, the one who slapped me and said, prophesy, who hit you? He didn't say, boy, it's coming. Sunday's coming. And when it does, you better be running. Because that's what I would have done. But instead, what did he do? He told us exactly. He showed us exactly as he's hanging. What did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't even realize that I'm dying for them. They don't realize that this is for them. I didn't need to do this. My mother used to tell me, I'm not doing this for my own health. That was a phrase she used to use a lot. I'm not doing this for my own health. This is for you. And for you and I today, what the Lord says is, listen, do not repay evil for evil. It says, repay no one evil for evil. It says, but instead, look at what you do instead. It says, but give thought to what is honorable. In other words, instead of spending your time devising schemes of revenge, he says, what I want you to do is to spend your time thinking of an honorable response that would honor God. He says, I'm going to give you something to occupy your time with. Because you and I know when someone has wronged us, boy, we can begin to get the schemes going in our heads of how I'm going to get you back or how I can do it on a slide and no one to really know that I was doing what I was trying to do. But he says, instead of spending your time in the family of God, what I want you to do is to be thinking about how I can do the honorable thing. Folk, today there are people that are looking to get back after, after what they see as the years of suffering. I'm going to get that, and you fill in the blank back. I'm going to get that party back. I'm going to get those people back. I'm going to get those voters back. I'm going to get that church back. I'm going to get that family back. God says, you better watch yourself, child of God. You're not getting anyone back. I love what he says. He says, this is, a not, this is not about getting anyone back. This is about you loving the truth, learning to be humble, not raising up yourself in pride. And he says, above all, he says, if possible, so far as it depends with you, live peaceably with all. He says, you are to be, and we learn this in the first 
session of our series that you are to be people of shalom. You are to be people of peace. You are to be people that look to bring about the end of conflict. That's what typifies the person, the child, the, the, the son, the daughter of God. And he says, look, never avenge yourselves just in case it wasn't clear. He says, don't repay evil. And just in case you missed it, don't avenge yourself. Now, I love the Avengers. I do. I love the Avengers. I love all the movies that they made, the individual ones, the group ones. I love the Avengers. But I am not an Avenger as a believer. God says, do not avenge yourself. I may avenge evil according to the plan and the will and the work of God, but I'm not doing it out of personal gain. God says, I want you to hate what I hate. I want you to love what I love. But he says, do not avenge yourself. And here's what he says instead. I like this. He says, make room. Why? Because when you and I are looking to avenge ourselves, there's no room for anything else in our life and in our mind. It is filled. We are engulfed. We are obsessed with avenging ourselves. And God says, there's no room for me. I can't do anything in your life because it's so full of you. God says, do not avenge yourself. But look at what he says. He says, I see you. Don't think I'm letting this go unnoticed. He says, look, leave room for God's wrath. God says, there will be and there is a time where I will respond and no one can stop me. But if you are in the wrong, you are in the way and you might be caught up in that wrath. God says, make room for the wrath of God. Move out the way and let God handle it. Well, how? No, you continue to live. Now, if you've been here for any length of time, you know that for me that I talk about issues of justice and issues of mercy because God calls us to do that from Old Testament all the way into new. We are to be people that stand up for injustice and we stand up against sin and we stand up for those that and those that don't have a voice. We see that all throughout scripture. And God wants us to do that. But personal vendettas ain't God. Personal avenging doesn't belong to Christ. Personal agendas to get back at people is not in God. But what is, is he says, if you leave room for me to answer and for my wrath, when wrath time comes, I got them. He says to you and I, I see you. I know what's going on. Let me respond because it'll be timely and it'll be thorough. And then lastly, lastly, he says, look, vengeance is mine. I'll repay to the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. That goes against every and anything that a Roman, that a person would think at that time. If my enemy is hungry, feed him. No, nah, I'm letting that dude go hungry. Feeding him. I'm not giving him a dime. As my grandmother said, I'm not giving him one copper penny. See, God calls us to go beyond what is humanly natural. And he tells you and I, look, 
Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Because, <laughs> boy, you will make him realize how crazy he is. And he'll get mad. Why are you doing this? Why are you helping me? I just read recently a short story of Nelson Mandela when he um, became president and he became leader in South Africa. He had invited a man to dinner with him and had all his guards in. He saw him and he sat down. I'm not giving the whole story, just giving you the gist. And the man, as he sat there to eat, Mandela sat with him and said the man never looked up, was shaking the whole time, ate his food, and was just nervous the whole time. And when he finished, he thanked him and got up and left. And they were wondering who this person was and why did he never look up at him? Why did he never say anything to him? He said, he was one of the jailers when I was in prison. And the things he did, he knew were wrong, hurtful. And he said, he sat there afraid that I would do to him what he did to me. He said, but that's not how I am. And he talked about the forgiveness and he talked about being able to move forward. But that story of this man thought, whoa, I am getting ready to get back. This is the most unlikely of scenarios. I never thought in my wildest dreams that this man would, okay, not even be set free, but I surely didn't think he would become the president, that he would lead this nation and that I would be sitting at dinner with him because any normal and natural person would have been like, I'm done. At, at, at some point in this meal, this dude's going to cut my head off. And he said, that's not what's going to move us forward. God says, listen, <laughs> there's some folk that have hurt you. There's some folk that have done some wrong. God says, but if you are like me, he says, that's not going to be you. And there are people that will talk about it and say, look at you all soft and everything. Nah, I'm not soft. I'm actually really tough because it takes more for me to be disciplined, not to knock your head off, than it does for me to do what everyone wants to do. See, the issue is when we live for Christ, it is tough. You know how people like to say, be this strong, be that strong? I want to say, be Jesus strong, be Christ strong. Because what he shouldered, oh my goodness, what he took. There's so many times when I read through the scripture that I was like, Lord, a good backhand would have solved that one. That's, that's just me. But he didn't. Look, the two brothers, James and John, said, sons of thunder, why don't you just call down fire on them and burn them up, Lord? They knew the power that Jesus had. They saw it. Why don't you just call down fire and burn them up? I was like, John and James, I was like, dudes. My guys, because in my flesh and in myself, I'll go there. But in Christ, he tempers me. And for you and I today, as children of God, he tempers us. He causes us to 
to be in love with him and thus to be in love with his family. And he causes us to have a relationship with our enemies that causes them to turn in shock and surprise. And he tells us at the end, listen, and this verse doesn't stand out by itself. This verse is in the context of what we read. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What evil this is not just a random statement he's making. It's in the context of this verse. When he says, do not be overcome by evil, he's talking about that evil. What evil? The revenge, the avenging yourself, the hating those who have pressed against you. He says, don't be overcome by the evil that is pressing in on you. And he says, let me give you a good formula of how you overcome evil that is being pressed at and towards you as a believer. He says, you overcome evil with good. You living this life of goodness as dictated by Christ, not some group that thinks this is good. He says, look, go and do good. And sometimes that good will get you in trouble. Sometimes that good will get you shunned. Sometimes that good will get people to marginalize you. But you do good. And watch how God works in your life. The issue becomes we have been bought with a price. We are God's. We are his family. He has died for us. And because of that, we can live for him we are to distinguish ourselves as disciples by the way we live. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord. Father, we thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. Father, we do not deserve any one bit of the love that we have received from you. Father, love was your choice. And out of that love, you saved us. And I pray today, Lord, that we would allow you to change us, that we would allow you to shape us, that we would allow you to mold us into people that represent you as we hit this world. Filled with love, mercy, and compassion. Filled with justice and truth. Filled, Lord, with the mercy that you gave us. dealing with those in our world that are hurting, those that don't have a voice, those, Lord, that don't know where to go, those that are disillusioned. Father, you are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord. And we point people to you as we live for you. Help us to live, those who have trusted you, help us to live as a family, Father, with brotherly affection, with parent-to-child love, and that only comes by you working in our lives. I pray that we would be people, O oh God, of compassion and people of passion. Lord, that the world, when they see us and know us, will say, loving group, justice group, mercy group, truth group, Jesus group. Father, we surrender ourselves to you in Christ's name, amen. This morning, thank you again. Um, we are so glad that we could share God's word with you. Um, we're gonna be leaving in just a moment. I wanna be able to present um, this certificate to my young brother here. But I pray today 
that this is more than just flowery words from the Bible. I pray the day that you would go and would allow the hard work of growing in Christ to happen in your life. I, this is not easy. God never said it would be, but he did say it was very possible and it is transforming. It is life-changing. And so I pray today that you allow God to work in your life. You allow him to use you to change your environment and your surroundings and cause people to know that he is real when you enter the room. Amen? Before we go, I do want to present and come down. It says here, Certificate of Baptism. This certifies that Jordan James Bogan received Christian baptism on the eighth day of November. I'm going to put in there mom's birthday. <laughs> in the year of our Lord, 2020. Mark 16, 16 is in there as a quote. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Jordan, why don't you come on up? He's going to get some hand sanitizer after this, okay? But I had to. Can we bring some form? I had to shake my brother's hand. Listen, guys, I am excited. I am really glad. Yes, please, you can give him some. Thank you. I am really glad um, that we are able to continue to fellowship um, as believers. Encourage this brother when you leave. Um, say hello to one another. Thank you all for coming again. And to, the, um, to all the family that was here today, thank you guys for coming. Um, good to see you. Um, may God continue to bless you as you move forward. Listen, today, if you have heard his word, and I don't want to let this go by, if you have heard his word and you have not made a decision for Christ, can you either see me, one of our deacons, or our elders, can you see one of us and have a conversation or someone that you might have come with? Can you talk with them about having that relationship? Listen, Christ died that you and I may live. We know that we are all sinners. We know that we can't save ourselves. We know that if we do not turn to Christ, we will spend eternity apart from him. We know that. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what it says. But God has made provision. Mercy and justice meet in Christ. He dealt with sin in Christ, but then he made it possible that our sins could be covered and, and, and that we could be with him in Christ. And when you receive that and receive God's Christ, his anointed, as your Savior, you become a part of that family of God that we talked about here. And so today, please, if that is not something that you have done, it is critical. It will be the most critical thing you do in your life. Let him change you. And so this morning, thanks again. Um, just as a note, just real quick, we are going to be, as the flu season is, I mean, is upon us now, we're kind of in it and we realize it. We're going to step up a measure here at our church just to continue to do all we can to make sure that we provide a safe environment for those who come. We will begin in a couple of weeks, we will begin actually temperature checks when you come to the door. And it's just another step just as you come in. And the issue becomes we're just trying to make people um, as comfortable as they can when they come. And we're doing this because now 
flu season is starting to ramp up. We've got the nice weather, so it's been cool, it's been good. But now that we have this extra, this extra concern that we need to worry about, I will say to each one of us, if, if, if you feel sick at all, you know, join us online. We are live streaming all the time. Every Sunday we are. Join us online until you are um, cleared and are feeling better. But we also know because there are so many people that are asymptomatic um, many times, it's just one step that we want to be able to put in play. And it is not so we can make it more difficult for you to come. It's just to give that greater measure of, of, um, of peace of mind. Um, this is in line with, with some of the things that the CDD, CDC is saying that we do as we gather. Um, and we thank God for science. Sometimes science has pressed against God. But science actually, science itself is from God. Where do we think the knowledge of that came from? This is his world. This is what he has created, he has done, and he has allowed us to gain the knowledge in his world. And so we follow it. We follow science. We follow law. We follow all these different things, but we know that each and every last one of those things is also tainted by man's sin. We know that. And so we trust God in addition to that and because of that. And so we're going to put that into place. So when you see it, don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. Um, uh, it's just another measure that we make sure that we keep our environment. That's why we keep our door open to get some airflow in here. For those of you who know, um, don't know, that's why that little, that little white, white noise thing, that's actually an air purifier that's running all the time as we're in here. And so we're just continually wanting to make the environment one that People can come in and to realize we're doing everything we can to provide you with an environment to worship in that safe. Amen? Amen. So with that, um, let me pray for us real quick, and then you'll be in the hand of our ushers, um, and um, we will be dismissed. Father, thank you again for us gathering. I pray that anyone today that, Lord, needs to come to you, that you would stay on them Father, that they would make that decision for the Lord, God, and they would experience life, God, wonderfully. Thank you for what you've done today. Let us enjoy this new week. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You're in the hands of our ushers. Solid Word Bible Church, located at 4374 West 52nd Street, Indianapolis, Indiana. And if you made the decision to give your life to Christ, would you please share it with us so we can rejoice with you and also pray for you. Again, thank you for joining us and may God continue to keep you until next time.